Welcome in everyone to the Batflip Podcast. My name is Damon here with Matt and David. Today we are going to be talking about the AL West and their division breakdown. And we also had Cody Bellinger sign, or yeah, sign, I guess re-sign technically. But we'll talk about that here in a second. David, how are you doing this week? A lot better now. Um, you know, it's 70 degrees in Chicago. It's It feels like baseball season finally and uh, until it snows on Wednesday. But, um, you know, it's... It's it's been a good weekend. You know, we saw a pretty close NASCAR finish the other day. That was that was pretty impressive too. And um, you know, overall, busy day, busy last couple of weeks at work. So you know, it's been fun. How you doing, Matt? Doing pretty good. Uh, you said it's 70 degrees there. It's 80 degrees here, and uh, it's pretty wild. Um, it does happen like that occasionally in February here, but not super often. And uh, but yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, had a good weekend. Um, just happy that spring training and and games spring training games are started so there's at least a tiny bit to talk about when it comes to games actual players playing um so that's been interesting and yeah uh been a good weekend been a good week so how's uh how's everything going for you damien uh everything's been great i mean we had baseball games back like matt mentioned so that's been a lot of fun just to uh to be able to sit down and just watch a ton of baseball um you know, the NASCAR is back as well. That finish was insane. Um, so it's been a fun week over here. And uh, I don't have to worry about any of the bad weather that you guys have been having. It's been, I think the the coldest it's got's like 55 or something like that. So it's been a, it's been pretty nice over here so far. But Well, uh, well when it's 120 degrees this summer, don't complain. <laughs> I will have you guys will be hearing a lot of fan noises. I will tell you that. All right, AC, we always free do. fans, whatever. Anyways, we are uh, we are already going off the rails, and we are two minutes into this podcast, so Didn't we are long. we are fantastic here. Um, first off, let's go ahead and start with Cody Bellinger. Um, he did re-sign with the Chicago Cubs, hence why David is in a little bit of a chippier mood this week. Um, the deal was three years, $80 million, has an opt-out after each season, and the structure is $30 million, $30 million, $20 million. Um, You know, a little shocking. We all thought Bellinger was going to get that long-term deal coming off the season he just had. He did have the qualifying offer, seemed to kind of suppress the market a little bit. People were also worried about what the uh, the underlying metrics and stuff looked like and him having three bad seasons before that. So a little surprising that he only got $80 million over three years with opt-outs, but I mean, he could still get back out to the market next year. But real quickly, Matt, what do you think about the deal? Uh, I just I think it was very interesting on both ends. Um, I kind of like love it for both sides, and I kind of hate it for both sides, honestly. I mean, there's a lot of risk on on either side. I mean, Bellinger probably could have gotten 160 million dollars from somebody uh, for you know the long term, but he felt like he was worth more than that, so he might be leaving 80 million dollars on the table if he doesn't repeat his season last year where he's back to like 2021-2022 form. And, you know, the Cubs got a guy who I like it for them because they, they did take out some of that risk of four or five, six years down the road having to pay a lot of money if, if Bellinger regresses back. But if he repeats what he did last year, then you've got a really, really good player, you know, coming back for a team that really needs that, that star in the middle of their lineup. So I think it's kind of an interesting deal for both sides. There's a lot of risk involved. Uh, this is a risky player, so I think it was kind of – you know, expected to be a lot of risk involved here. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, he made a lot of adjustments last year, and we'll see how well those stick – or it, it, I think they will stick, but how 
well it translates long term because some of the metrics really don't like him uh and but his results speak for themselves last year so it's gonna be very interesting you know two years in a row of it will kind of prove a little bit of longevity to, to his 2022 result or 2023 results and he probably can get that super long-term deal next year after opting out, which I, I I also think the Cubs might be looking at this as kind of like a trial run to make him the big, big offer. I think, you know, if he does it a second year in a row, I think there'll be a little bit less um, comprehend or uh, uh, uncertainty. Yeah. About the, about it. So uh, we'll see what happens, but I, I thought it was interesting for sure. So there's a, a lot of things I could talk about this one for 15 or 20 minutes. I'm going to, Damien said, keep it short. I'm going to keep it short. The, we know that the Cubs gave him a kind of one of those median fan sourced offers around like 150, 160 for six or seven years. We don't really know the exact details, but what we do know is that Boris uh, and Cody came with a short term offer. And that's the Cubs were looking for a longer term deal, but at not at like 200 million plus. They were looking for shorter, shorter term um, or shorter money, lower money. And you know what this does for the Cubs this year is makes them a maybe the favorite on paper in the NL Central. It's probably close, um, but being able to add a veteran to the lineup, replacing PCA, uh, their top prospect, letting him start the season in AAA after he kind of came up and went hitless in September last year, um, being able to kind of ease him in and reduce the pressure on him for this season, but also potentially get out from under Cody Bellinger if you know one if he's not at you know all that good but i doubt that's going to happen i i believe in cody bellinger but you know if for at least what happens is pca is going to get that 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 player in front of him that can reduce that pressure on him as the top prospect and allow him to work his way in and and cody's obviously very flexible can move around the roster so um big fan of cody bellinger i'm really excited about this deal i wish it was the longer term deal but uh i'm happy that that we've got cody for another year and uh so are the players everybody really loves cody bellinger those were the the first comments that came back was everybody was really excited for him being back in the clubhouse because he's a great guy yeah um we've already went deep in depth about my feelings about cody bellinger before so um we will save more of the cody bellinger and cubs talk for in two weeks when we're doing the national league central um so if you're a fan of them and Cody Bellinger, tune in then, and we'll get more in-depth onto that. Um, but a big majority of this is going to be the American League West, and I'm glad that we took that little bit of time at the beginning because I had an operator error, and I started the video about two minutes late on YouTube. So, hey, look at us. Uh, so let's start with the Oakland Athletics, who finished 50-112 and 112 last year, 40 games back in that division, and... Uh, I guess the biggest thing is their Las Vegas move still hasn't been figured out, which is absolutely insane to really think about. But um, Matt, what do you really think about the A's as a team, what their offseason looked like? And um, would you rather have them in Vegas or Oakland? Um, so hard hitting questions. Yeah, this, this has been, this whole thing is just a mess. I mean, it really <laughs> is because I think that if there was another if it was another team with another owner and they wanted to move to Vegas it already would have been done. Yeah. Um but but man this is this franchise is a mess and and honestly this could end up being the best thing that's ever happened to him cuz I don't think it's going to happen yet but if this keeps continues to fall through then it might end up with the owner just decide to sell which would be like the best thing that could ever happen to him. But um 
but anyways, you know, all the relocation talk aside, I think that this team is really, really bad. But, I mean, there's a little bit here that makes you think they might not be... I mean, they're kind of on, on a tier with the next team as opposed to last year where they were, like, so easily the worst team in baseball. It wasn't even close. This year, I think they're kind of on a tier with maybe the Nationals, Rockies. Um, there's a couple interesting players. Ryan Noda had a really good year last year as a guy who was a Rule 5 pick. Um, you know, Zach Geloff came up and played really well at the end of the year. He's a young guy who who, who a full season would be really interesting to see what he does. Uh, you know, Shea Langoliers could keep de- developing. They've still got, you know, Brent Rooker had a breakout year. They still got Seth Brown. Um, Estuary Ruiz can steal a ton of bases. I mean, it, it's not good. There's no, I don't, I think the biggest problem with them is there's just no upside to their roster. There's no players on this roster that you're like, man, that could be a future star. It's a bunch of guys who you think squint and say, man, if it really clicks for them, they could be an average player. So, and then their, their rotation you know, adding they did add a couple guys and and Ross Stripling and Alex Wood, which were pretty nice additions for them. Their rotation is bad, but it's not as bad as it was last year. Um, you know, Paul Blackburn, Alex Wood, and Ross Stripling are all like legitimate major leaguers, and they did not have any legitimate major leaguers last year. And it helps them kick a few guys to the bullpen too that was starting for them last year. A guy like Kyle Muller maybe uh, has a has a profile that could fit well in the bullpen. Mason Miller could be a really good breakout closer. Um, you know, in the bullpen. So, it, I mean, from a this from a team standpoint, it's not as I think it's not quite as dire as it was last year. As in, just you know, they they probably win more than fifty games. I mean, we the last year they were one of the worst teams ever. This year they're one of the worst teams in baseball. So, I guess it may be a tiny bit better. But I mean, their off season grade, I give it. I guess I don't know a, a C. I mean they they added somebody to their major league roster that's got major league experience this year, which is not something they've done in the past couple of years. But I mean it's not it's not good. So um, and of course I think the next thing you just they're gonna have to figure out their ownership slash relocation slash where they're going to play the next three years before they relocate, all that stuff. They're going to have to figure that out and figure it out soon because right now this whole franchise is, is hanging in limbo. And honestly, you can't really have a future direction until you decide that because how are you going to know? Like if you don't know what your market's going to be, you don't know where you're going to be playing, all that stuff, how are you going to know how to set your payroll? I mean, I know the A's right now, they're, they're gonna, they would set it low regardless, but like even a functioning franchise with nowhere to – what what kind of money they'd have coming in and m- money to spend if they didn't know where they're going to be playing. So that stuff's all got to get handled and handled soon. And I feel really bad for a lot of their fans and players and um, you know people who have been there long term. As in, they it's it's such in li- so in limbo right now. It's just crazy. So um, you know, obviously, I, I think just as a long term baseball fan, I, I'd prefer them staying in Oakland because for my entire lifetime they've been the Oakland A's, but um, but yeah, man, this is, this is a, uh, <laughs> this, this situation's bad. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I'll, I'll note that I think the, the act of adding a couple of major leaguers to your team, like people who can actually play major league baseball, it is the very minimum above F 
on my yeah. scale of of grading an off season, so we'll give him a D minus. Uh, you know, I I will say I really like Brent Rooker. I think he's a very very strong candidate to be traded in the middle of the season if he does continue to put up good numbers. He really seemed like he figured out how to hit the ball, and he's one of the few players on this Oakland team that has a voice and has a bit of a, a social media you know, presence and somebody who can actually get out and engage with the fans and seems like a very personable guy. Um, also, I like Tyler Soderstrom as a potential breakout candidate. You know, the issue being he's playing in Oakland or in Las Vegas or wherever. And he just, the, the direction of the franchise, like Matt said, is so um, underwater that it's i think it's suppressing the ability of the players to play or to perform at a level you know to, to their true talent right you know guys like tyler Schroederstrom are coming up and and if they aren't playing well they, you know they know that there's no eyes on them there's no reward for playing well because you're just going to tra- get traded anyway so the the motivations are low right this is a team that's going to lose games they all know they're going to lose games that's automatically going to make you play worse like it's it's a bad spot to be in and i'm just not sure you know that there's really a, something that gets you out of this rut unless the ownership sells unless the the team transforms and and believes and we have no indication that that's going to be the case uh the other guy i really like on this roster is lucas Erseg, one of the relievers he should be like the setup guy for miller if miller does take over the closest role and um you know he's a funky i think he's a funky righty low arm slot uh you know gets a lot of ground balls but the type of guy who can really um you know, get, you know, fool, fool hitters. And, uh, you know, if his bad bit luck, I think goes well, he might get traded in the middle of the season as well. So with this Oakland A's roster, you're obviously looking for, you know, those players that are going to get poached in the middle of the season for the playoff run. Fangraphs actually projects the A's to win 72 games this year. <laughs> On the, yeah. like, I, you know, it's, it's just interesting the way they're talking the about it. I probably would too, and main reason be, being that if a couple of those like Brent Rooker and you know that type clicks this year, or, or the pitchers really, the main guys like Stripling and Wood, if they kind of click this year and have a good year and healthy year, they probably get traded. Yeah. But at the same time, like you know, I, I could see them winning seventy game, seventy ish games. Like if that, they, you know, I, I, the lineup just the lineup isn't quite as bad as you know. It's bad, but it's not as bad as people think of it. You know, just the pessimism around this franchise for good reason kind of bleeds into what this team has. And and the lineup is really, really bad, but it's not just completely barren. And and the rotation is kind of the same way. It's bad, but it's not just like there's nobody, there's no major leaguers here. You know, like it's just, you know, it's just like the lack of future upside that, really hurts this team because you know they're not going to spend their farm system's not very good and a lot of their young players have you know they've 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 got potential to be real major leaguers but they don't have upside like star level upside it's just um it's just one of those things and it's kind of the way they've drafted and developed and stuff too they just don't bring in guys with a lot of upside and the few times they have done that they've traded them so well, yeah, and and like what you mentioned, Matt, earlier too, it's like, you know, how do they set up their future payroll with, yeah. with not knowing where they're going to be? Well, how do you get players to buy in who don't know where they're going to be playing in three years? Yeah, Well, like, I will say this. A lot of their players are young, and they're getting a shot at the big leagues where they probably wouldn't have gotten a shot at the big leagues elsewhere, and they're going to try to perform because 
that's the way to get paid eventually. I mean, I, I get that. I'm saying like you, you can't know. add anything to this roster though. Like nobody's wanting to sign here if they don't know. Like, are we going to play in Oakland? Are we going to play in Vegas? Oh, yeah, are we going to yeah, play yeah, in I Sacramento? Like, we don't know where we're going to be playing for three seasons or four seasons. Yeah. And it's not like the A's are going to be out here offering you know eight nine year deals. Like, I think big deals to the A's are three or four years. We're like those entire deals are per- in purgatory to free agents right yeah. now. Like they literally have no idea. And, um, you know, it, it's such a bad thing. I mean, you, you hope they figure something out in Oakland cause they've always been the Oakland A's. It, it's been a historic franchise there. The Vegas move does seem like it's weird, especially now with like, they're getting sued by like teachers boards of Las Vegas or something yeah. like it's, it's crazy. So the A's are in, in that purgatory now. And it's, it's feels like it's going to be that way, but hopefully we get some answers and resolutions here soon. So they can, uh, they can turn it around, but. Uh, let's go from one bad owner to another incompetent owner in Artie Moreno and the Los Angeles Angels. Well, I guess I'm calling the Anaheim Angels. Uh, they finished 73 and 89 last year, 17 games back. Um, you know, obviously they lost Shohei Otani this offseason. Um, there's been a lot of question marks around that franchise. Are they going to spend big? Are they going to reinvest that money um, into some of these free agents? Is Anthony Rendon going to play more than 17 games this this season? No. We're not sure. Um, <laughs> you know. They've already I'll given take the away, over, but not by much. They, they've already given number seventeen to Hunter Dozier of all people, which was oh my God. wild. But uh, <laughs> anyways, David, uh, what is your thoughts on the Oakland A's and or Oakland A's? The they're pretty Anaheim much Angels, they're pretty much ran the no, same way. The Oakland no, A's not, with well, Mike Trout is what they it's, are. It's just um, the, it's the complete opposite here. It's like the Oakland owner A's, that spends a lot of money and is still bad to the owner that doesn't spend money and is still bad. It's right. a whole other level. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Anyways, what do we think about the Angels this year and uh, and what they look like? I think poor Mike Trout is yeah. what I think, man. I, you know, what a what a terrible situation for Mike Trout. You know, he he gets six full years with Shohei Otani. They don't make the playoffs together, and then he Otani just leaves to walk across town. Right. You know, and, and Trout is the guy who has signed the mega deal to stick around in Los Angeles. And we've heard him say he doesn't want to be traded. And, you know, I just wonder whether he whether that's the right philosophy for him to take at this point. Right. I mean, you know, he's older. His body's starting to break down. You're not getting the best of Mike Trout anymore, really, um, which is sad. But it, it is the, you know, just the truth of, of life. And, you know, we've seen it for the past decade or so. Mike Trout's been the best player in baseball. This is his age 32 season. I mean, you know, he's not getting any younger and the back issues are starting to rack up. So, um, you know, he's going to need help. And, and the young guys that the Angels have drafted recently, you know, and Nolan Shawnell and, and Zach Neto are, are really good players. Um, that have rocketed through the system. They've been able to help Mike Trout and, and Otani last year immediately, but it wasn't enough. And, and this is a team that bought at the deadline last year. And then by September 1st was like DFAing their trade acquisitions that they spent, you know, top 100 prospects on just to save money and try to get under the luxury tax. Like the, the, the amount of disaster that that could have been, like, I can't be like, overstated how much of a disaster that is. On top of that, there's two really good free agent starting pitchers sitting out there right now in free agency that the Angels have not made a bid on, despite the fact that, you know, like you said, Artie Moreno loves to spend money, and those pitchers are desperately needed for this team that is pretty much without good starting pitching in general. Um, you know, if, if Griffin Canning can maybe be okay, Reed Detmers was a first-round pick a few years ago and threw a no-hitter at one point, but, like, 
you know, they've spent money in the bullpen. Robert Stevenson's maybe one of my favorite free agent signings of the offseason. But I don't think the a decent bullpen is going to save this team, right? It's the Angels. They, they're going to make the same mistakes. Like, offseason-wise, this was a fine offseason with the singular gigantic wart of losing Shohei Otani. So, you know, it may be like a C plus, but they, they haven't made the necessary pitching additions to replace Otani in the rotation. Their, their offense is very questionable with rookies and injury prone guys, you know, at their cornerstone positions. I, I feel very, very poorly, you know, badly for angels fans, but I feel like this organization is going downhill very quickly. We've, we've kind of been waffling on whether Artie Moreno is going to sell the team you know they're they're heading in that same direction and i think one more disastrous season like i think is maybe in store here might set up for for a selling of a selling of this team and maybe a change in this direction yeah i i agree um this is a weird team because you've got three guys in your lineup who are very very young and you feel pretty good about like logan ohapi zach neto and nolan shanuel you feel pretty good about being you know nolan shanuel was drafted last year in June and he was in the big leagues in August and he performed pretty well. Um, you know, you've got Logan O'Hoppy and, and Zach Neto were injured a lot last year, but both of them performed extremely well when they were healthy. Uh, you know, and those are all corners. Those are cornerstone positions at, at shortstop and catcher that you probably have answered long-term if those guys are able to stay healthy. Uh, so that, that's a nice thing for this team. I mean, <sighs> There's a world out there where those three guys continue to play at the level they played at last year but stay healthy, and then Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon actually play the whole season, uh, and where this team's not that bad. Um, is it enough? I don't know. But I just don't expect all those things to happen. Like Out of these young guys, one of them will probably be really, really good. One of them will probably be somewhere in the middle, and one of them will probably just totally fall off a cliff. And then... Either Trout or Rendon's going to miss a lot of the year with injury or something. Trout's, even when he's been healthy, not quite the same guy last year or or really the year before. Um, you know, his strikeout rate has really spiked these last two years. And last year he did play better defense, which was nice when he was playing. He only played 82 games, I believe, but it was his worst season in the big leagues. Um, you know, even if it was short, he, he, was, it was, he was on pace for his worst season in the big leagues. So. You know, he's still really, really good. I mean, he was still on like a six-win pace, which is insane. But when you're talking about a guy who was on a nine-win pace every year before last year, it is a decline, even if it's a decline that you're like, if he can repeat the the, the same, you know, thing he did last year, but over 162 games, you still feel really good about him, obviously. Um, so there's a world where this team's a little bit better. The pitching, I mean... I think Reed Detmers could take a step forward. He's shown pretty good stuff at times. I like Patrick Sandoval still. He had a rough year last year, but he's all he's, you know, a year removed from being really, really good. Um, you know, they've got some younger pitchers in there. They they I know that there was that draft a couple years ago where like basically every single guy they picked in the draft was a pitcher. And I think Detmers might have been one of them, and then Chase Silseth was another one that, that's you know, made some big league starts. Um I don't know. Their bullpen's okay, I guess. They're, they're kind of middle of the road. Um, you know, the Stevenson signing was good. Estevez is pretty good. Um, you know, they've got a few interesting-ish guys there. But, I mean, this team's just 
they're in a spot where there's not a ton of upside. They don't have a single top 100 prospect on um, Van Graffs, at least. They might have one on another site, um, Chanuel maybe, but this team just doesn't have much upside, and their long-term future doesn't have much upside, and they really need to sell what they can and just go full-blown rebuild here. They really do. Because this is a team that has the the the, the finances and everything to eventually be able to su- supplement a a developing core with a lot of talent around it like you could you could see a scenario where this turns into the Astros more so than the perennial rebuild teams like the A's or or the Royals or Pirates but you know right now it's just you know you, you're just going to have to you're going to have to bite the bullet and sell at some point and you know now that Otani's gone this is when I would do it the only thing, too, Mike Trout really seem like he wants to be traded, which is, to me, is kind of like, you know, whatever. But uh, it's going to be hard to get a lot for Mike Trout anyways with his contract and injuries. I mean, to what you would expect a Mike Trout to get, you know, you'd have to pay a lot of that contract off to get the kind of return you would want. So they'll probably run it back for half of this season and see where things stand with a lot of these young guys and veterans, you know, health and, and everything. And then I bet they start to really sell off this year. Cause it just makes zero sense to hold at, at this level. They're going to finish fourth in the division. They're not the worst team in baseball. They're not completely terrible, but they're not, you know, they're not top three in this division. I mean, how are you going to, you know, do anything with not being top three in your own division? So, um, you know, the worst thing they could possibly do for me is sign more and sign a bunch of Boris clients. I mean, it really is because you're just going to add a potential bad contract to these bad contracts you already have, and it's not going to get you anywhere. Even if they do perform, like adding is adding Blake Snell going to make this team better than the Mariners, the Astros, or the Rangers? I don't think so. So it's just not worth doing. Well, the big thing that's going to get in the way is already Moreno's ego. He will. Oh, he will yeah. never. He will never be a seller. It. I mean, we, we saw it last year. They should have traded Otani at the deadline and got a massive haul, and they didn't They didn't do that then. Um, you know, even you were talking about the Mike Trout trade right now, they'd have to pay money and everything to, to get that deal down. Well, he also is going to have 10-5 rights, which means yep. he's going to get a full no trade and get, get choose states, where he wants to go. Yep. Choose where he wants to go, and you either trade him there or you don't trade him at all, right? And then Artie Moreno is just going to be like, well, we're not trading him then. It's just how he operates. He is... He is one of, if not the most, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, bipolar owners. He will he will wake up one day and think you need to 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 sign Blake Snell and Matt Chapman, but then he'll wake up the next day and say like, oh no, we should just like hold here and sign Arian Ardranza instead. <laughs> like, like it, it, that that's what Artie Moreno does. He's so weird. You know, there was two what last year before the season it was like, "Oh, hey, there's a silent deal. It's 100% taking place." And it's like, "Okay, well then all of a sudden it's like at the last minute Artie Moreno backed out." Well, then this year there was supposed to be a, a silent sale potentially to like the owner of like the LA Times apparently, and then nothing happened. And Artie Moreno now came out in spring training and was like, "Nope, I'm not selling for a long time." And it's like, "Well, you've already tried to sell the last 2 years." He's just so bipolar there, and like this team, we we I've done it. I would, but two years ago, I drank the juice of the Angels here. Like I do like some of the bullpen moves, you know, Stevenson, Matt Moore. I, I like that. I think there's some like some positive uh, progression is going to come back. Like I don't think Tyler Anderson's going to have a 5.43 ERA again. 
like Patrick Sandoval, I think is he's going to take a step forward that he was supposed to take last year, you know, and, and maybe be a mid threes ERA guy. But like I, this team just still doesn't have enough to, to first off to make up for the loss of Shohei Otani, and second off to be anywhere near a competitive team without like a lot, a lot of breaks going their way, which just like it's not going to happen. And they they are not set up for now success, and they're not set set up for long-term future success um, and until they change the way their philosophy is and until Artie Marino accepts one way or the other they're not they're going to be stuck in this same purgatory of just being hey we're going to be a little bit better than the A's but we're not going to be a team like the Rangers or the Astros <laughs> hey don't hate on Aria Adriano. Yeah, he's one of only two players on this team that's ever won a playoff series down, yeah. so there's that oh him okay. and Brandon. Uh, I, I'm, in, I'm in a World Series, not playoff series, but yeah, Aaron Aaron Hicks is one of the playoffs. Well, okay, Aaron Hicks is like the third guy, and he's I guess Tyler was Tyler Anderson on a team did that won a playoff Simber series. Win a, did Adam Simber win a playoff series Let's, at some point? Anyway, well, no, that's he neither yeah, they, they lost to the Padres. That's the, okay. That <laughs> was yeah, I don't know. It, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> um, yeah. So let's let's move over to another team that I think we've also had a head-scratching type of offseason to us, at least, and that's the Seattle Mariners. They finished 88-74, you know, two games back in this division. They were right in until the, until the last two days of the season here. Um, and then they went into the offseason and basically, hey, we want to sell off mode. You know, they traded Eugenio Suarez. Um, you know, there was a lot of rumors about they were potentially going to trade one of their pitchers. That never came to fruition. Um, and then they signed, like, Mitch Garver and then traded for Mitch Hanniger, like, such a weird off season where we thought they were going to do more. I mean, I had them as the team that was going to sign Shohei Otani in the off season. Um, and we came out of this with like, are the Mariners most likely got worse here? And they were a team that could have competed for the division last year or was competing for the division last year. Um, and would have been right up there again this year. Um, so Matt, what do, you, what do you think of the Mariners off season and the whole, like we're going to sell, but then we're not going to really sell and we're going to compete. Well, I don't. I don't know that they were ever selling. I think they were trying to move some money around to because Eugenio Suarez is a, still a solid player, but he was owed a lot of money and probably a lot more than what he was getting getting them. Um, you know, he's kind of got a scary profile too, and I think they took advantage of saying, "Hey, the the Diamondbacks really need a third baseman. They've got money to spend." You know, we're trying to cut a little bit of payroll to to try to you know retool a little bit. And they did use that money to retool. I mean, they also traded J- Jared Kelenic, um and used that money to retool a little bit too. But they brought in, uh, you know, they br- they brought in Mitch Garver uh, on a contract, which is, you know, he's a solid DH. They needed some more thump in their lineup. They lost Teoscar Hernandez. Uh, and they brought in Mitch Garver to kind of replace him. Uh, they brought in uh, Mitch Hanniger, who obviously a long time uh, Seattle Mariner. They really like him. You know, he was on their team that made the playoffs a couple years ago. He's, you know, they probably feel like there's somewhat of a bounce back there. He has been injured a lot in his career. So coming off of injuries and, you know, isn't just sitting here saying, Oh yeah, he'll be back hundred percent this year. We just never know with Mitch Hanniger, but uh, you know, he's solid. They, they brought in Luke Rayleigh who had a really good year last year. Um, you know, and Jorge Polanco was, was a guy that they brought in and I didn't love that trade, but just for their big league roster in 2024, I think it was a plus adding him 
you know, so I, I really, I think they did get better, actually. I, I think that though, that counteracts the losing Teoscar Hernandez and, and Eugenio Suarez. I think their offense got a little bit better. I do think they suffer a tiny bit defensively. Uh, you know, Luke Rayleigh, Mitch Hanniger outfield corners is a little bit um, scary. Um, and then, of course, in, in center field, you got Julio Rodriguez, who could probably make up a lot of that. But, um, but yeah, then you look at their, um, you know, you look at their rotation. Their rotation is just, I mean, it's their their rotations might be the best in baseball. I mean, it's up there. Luis Castillo, Logan Gilbert, George Kirby, all three of them are really good. I think George Kirby's the best out of the three right now, and he could end up being, you know, a Cy Young contender this year. I don't know if I'd call him the favorite, but he'll be a contender for sure. Luis Castillo's perennially very good, um, you know, and he, they're all they're all pretty young too. Bryce Miller, Brian Wu were rookies last year who performed really well. This is a good pitcher's park. Um, they're so that that rotation is just awesome. And then the bullpen's really good too. You've got, you know, Andres Munoz coming out at the closer, throwing over a hundred miles an hour all the time. Matt Brash is stuffed, really has played up in the bullpen as we thought it might. Um, and then you look at the rest of their guys. I mean, Gregory Santos, they brought in from Chicago, from the Chicago white Sox. He's awesome. Um, you know, they, they've really got a under, I think an underrated roster here. They need a little bit of luck with the bats. They need a couple of these guys they brought in who are, you know, a little bit risky. They need a, a Mitch Garver, a Mitch Hanniger, one of the Mitches to click. Um, and, you know, and they need their guys to continue to, to play well. They need J.P. Crawford to repeat what he did last year. Julio Rodriguez. I still think there's another gear with Julio Rodriguez, too. Like, there was a lot of the season last year he was just decent at the plate. Uh, and he had that like super hot stretch and it brought his numbers up. Like there's, there's a world where he's consistently, I mean, he's not going to put up like that month he had again, consistently. He, he might do it once again, but, um, just from a, you know, consistency standpoint, I think Julio could even be better and he's still really young. He's only 23. So there's no reason to think he won't be. And, and there's reason to believe he will be better. Um, than he was last year, which was still an awesome season, like five wins above replacement or something. So uh, I really like this team. I, I think that they they are much closer to – they're a team that I might consider picking to win this division. I don't think I would as of right now, but I really like this team. I think that the hit bats are going to have to click a little bit, but, uh, you know, they're – you know, they're really solid. Um, so it's kind of their off season was solid, I think. And it's kind of, you know, they better, be, they need to be back in the playoffs this year, honestly. Hopefully I'm sounding better things now. Things are going to get um, kind of okay, testy cool. for the so management So I love the there. Mitch Garver signing. I thought that was a really yeah. sneaky pickup. Garver was excellent for the world champion Rangers last year. He moves in the division over to Seattle, which I think is a big up for Seattle, down for the Rangers. Um, I also... I did not like that Eugenio Suarez moved, but I understand it. The issue is now they have not filled that third base spot. They're kind of banking on one of Josh Rojas and Julio Ur or Luis Urias to figure out third base. When had you they kept Suarez and, and kind of gone the other way with a few of their other moves to get a little bit less whiff, I think they would have accomplished the same the same thing. Um, as it is, they bring in Machaniger via the Robbie Ray trade, right? I mean, there's there's a lot of, of interesting moves that happen here. Um, typical Jerry DePoto stuff, right? He, he made a lot of moves. 
some of the moves are good. Some of the moves are questionable. Overall, the team is still good. Um, I will say that I think that maybe the most impressive and understated piece of this team is that their catcher is the league leader in home runs for the last two seasons. Cal Raleigh has 57 home runs over the last two years. Nobody else has more than 46, that being Salvador Perez. You might say, oh, well, David Cal Raleigh can only hit home runs. He's not very good at anything else. Well, he is uh, by Fangraphs' DEF defensive metric, which just kind of summarizes DRS. Uh, Cal Raleigh is number two behind Jose Trevino. Uh, and in total war, he is third behind Adley Rutschman and Sean Murphy. The the Mariners are sitting up here with a powerful, like a, like a prime Mike Zunino, essentially. Um, but, you know, playing defense like Jose Trevino as well. So, uh, you know, mashing in the middle of the lineup. Now, Cal Raleigh's not going to blow your doors off with average or on base. He's going to strike out a good bit, but uh, having a, a big masher in the middle of the order that can also play, you know, catcher at that elite level is very impressive. And uh, it's, it's understated as a part of the uh, the Mariners' success. The other understated part of the success I want to point out is J.P. Crawford, who last year, I'm going to grab his stats because they were really, really impressive. Um, yeah, 380 on base percentage last year, 134 WRC plus, 19 home runs, 400 uh, on base, 14% walk rate. Which yeah. before that he had never walked at a rate higher than 11.3%, which was 2022. He just went and hit 10 more home runs last year. He walked more than he'd ever walked before. Um, he basically transformed into an elite shortstop, an elite leadoff hitter. Um, and is the type of guy that can set the table for guys like Julio Rodriguez uh, in the middle of this order. You know, Mitch Garver is going to be able to feast with a guy like uh, J.P. Crawford on base. You know, Jorge Polanco is also a guy who can who can hit really well with guys on base. And having a J.P. Crawford develop in that sense from a kind of light, non-hitting shortstop to a guy you can rely on at the leadoff position is a massive development that is understated. And, you know, the, between JP and, and Cal Raleigh, that homegrown talent, uh, and, J- and Julio too, right? The homegrown talent that, that the Mariners have, coupled with the Jerry DePoto-isms uh, of the rest of the roster, I think makes for a very good and competitive team. And, you know, we'll <laughs> we'll see whether they can, uh, you know, hang with the two co- competitors for the division, because this is a couple of, uh, another couple of really good teams here coming up. Yeah, I love Seattle's pitching. I think they have one of the best pitching staffs in baseball from starting pitching and bullpen combined. Like Gregory Santos, I think he's going to be electric there. Matt Brash, Andres Munoz, we already talked about them. Trent Thornton was a really, really good pickup for them last year as well. You know, 31 innings, he had like a 201 ERA there. Um, and I think another interesting one is, is Jackson Kowar, seeing what he's able to do, um, you know, transitioning to the bullpen there too. Um my problem is, is just this offense, It it's a bunch of question marks, a bunch of like, hey, we need you to stay healthy, and we have zero depth. If anybody gets injured, we have we don't have much to replace you. Like, right now, you're talking about, like, we need Mitch Garver to stay healthy, which has been a big thing for him if you're counting on him to be one of your big primary, you know, mashers in the middle of this lineup. You're going to have Luke Rayleigh, who... He had a really good stretch with the Rays last year, and then he was not great, you know, for like the second half of the year. Mitch Hanniger, who's always had health issues anyways, and he had what, like 230 plate appearances last year. Josh Rojas, who has not been able to to really prove himself yet either. 
And then, you know, their projected bench right now is Sebi Zavala, Luis Urias, Dylan Moore, and Taylor Trammell. Like, the most any of those people had at bats last year was Sebi Zavala, who had 193. Like, this is not a team that has proven depth, and you have a bunch of question marks in that, that lineup as it is. Now, that being said, the pitching will be insane and will be help, you know, make up for a lot of that, especially some of the stuff that, like, Bryce Miller is true, like him adding a splitter, but also adding like two or three miles of velocity, like he's done this off season. So apparently, um, you know, you know, spending a lot of time at driveline, Brian Wu, who's, you know, fastball and a nasty slider can strike people out, you know, a ton if he develops a little bit more, we already mentioned the top three. It just, I'm really, really worried about what the depth of this lineup is. And if you're going against a team like the Astros or the Rangers, they're going to find ways to score runs even against good pitching. And I'm not sure that this lineup has consistency enough to compete with those top tier teams offensively. They do they on the pitching side for sure, but can they score enough runs to keep up with the Astros? Like the Astros might find a way to score two or three runs a game against you. Are you going to be able to score three? I, I, I don't know if you can consistently say that the Mariners will do that on a consistent basis this year. Um, they they don't have depth, and I, I they do have a massive hole, you know, at third base. If you were to bring in one another big, you know, big time bat that can play somewhere on this line, even if it's a corner outfielder or a third baseman, I feel a lot better. But right now, just I'm really really worried about. What I think Zapoto will be hunting on the yeah, the I, I agree of on rosters the here that, as that we start big, to add a few you know, extra free agents, some rosters crunch yeah. out. I think they'll add a couple more bench yeah. to this organization. Yeah. I mean, it's just for a bench spot. Yeah, but still, I mean, you're adding a guy that's probably not super wanted by another contender. So even at that point, you might add somebody that could be you, you, right, but like you might be adding like, you know, you're probably not going to add too many guys who could really step in just coming off of waivers at the end of spring training or or off or a minor trade or something. Like if they lost somebody, <laughs> they probably have to go big at the deadline to get a, a replacement. So. You know, but we'll see. It'll be it'll be interesting. There is still plenty of free agents that could that could potentially do oh, something yeah. for him. You know, an, an underrated one which we didn't mention, which I don't even know if many saw it, which it, it can have you know some good benefit for them. They did sign Brian Anderson to a minor league deal. If you're able to find what's been wrong with Brian Anderson, there, he's a very solid person to come in and play some corner yeah. outfield third base for you, give you that solid depth that you're missing here. Yeah. But again, he's not a everyday starting third baseman or corner outfield that's going to help this lineup. That's what they truly need on top of adding a few more depth. Yeah. Of course, of course, no contenders don't have depth that's going to replace the guys that they have in their lineup just because no. you know, it's no, just no. a matter of that this team specifically has a lot of players who are somewhat injury prone that aren't yeah. that we don't have backups for. That Kind of like yeah. the Twins we talked about where it's like Byron Buxton or Carlos Correa are pretty injury prone. If they get hurt, there's no depth there. Like it's yeah. kind of the same here, you know? Well, and, and the people like we're, we're talking about Mitch Garver, right? Like he's supposed to be one of their big time bats this year. You don't have anybody to replace Mitch Garver. If he goes down yeah. anywhere, anything remotely close to it. It's like, who are you adding in? Then like every day is supposed to be Dylan Moore or Luis Urias to jump into that spot. Like you don't feel confident about that at all. Um, so that that's my problem there. But Anyways, let's jump Third. over to the team that second. finished second in this division. That is the Houston <laughs> the Astros at second. ninety and seventy-two, tied with the Rangers. Huh? 
Oh, Texas well, Rangers in a second. Fangraphs has him a second. Okay, sorry. That's how we're doing it. Did. So we'll jump over to the World Series <laughs> champion Rangers then. We'll come back to the Astros. They had the same record. Right? They did. Just stay off me here. But uh, that's how we do it. It's all Fangraphs standings. I don't know why they have the Astros under the Rangers, but they do. Anyways. Um, you know, we're talking about the defending World Series champions now. Um, they've had a quiet off season because of that uncertainty around the TV deal. You know, we've heard that Jordan Montgomery's wanted to go back to the Rangers since off season started. Nothing's been able to happen there. You know, they've made a couple moves like signing Tyler Molly, who's going to be out until August probably as well. Um, but they're a team that, you know, we saw some of their young guys. Evan Carter came up late last year, had a, had a really good season, had a good playoff series. Um, Nathaniel Lowe had a good season too. Um, Josh Jung's going to, you know, had a good rookie season, but overall, what are we thinking about the Rangers? Are they on that track to be able to, well, I to mean, what a wealth of pitches, right? I mean, this is a team that drafted in the top three, two years in a row. Um, you know, what, like, what are you thinking, Dave? Yeah. And, and with one of those picks, they took a money saving route in, um, uh, no, I can't remember. Kumar Rocker, uh, who isn't really that close. They've also drafted Jack Leiter in recent years who hasn't worked out. Right. But last year, I mean, Wyatt Langford, what a slam dunk pick. Dude. Was Wyatt Langford at four overall, um, and you know that that that's a guy who's rocketed through the minors. He might have been the best hitter taken, and that's saying that with Dylan Cruz being a really good quality player. You've also got like Max Clark and some other guys uh, in that draft that were just incredible. But I mean, you're looking at a guy with like 70 raw power, 70 speed in Wyatt Langford, and not to mention he went from high A to triple A last year and his worst batting average was at high A where he hit 333. His worst WRC plus was triple A where he hit 177 WRC plus. Like he is crushing the ball right now. Like the Rangers have spent almost no money, you know, this off season, the, the off season grade would be fairly bad if I were giving them one right now, you know, like, Oh, David Robertson was their biggest signing and, and Tyler Maley, right? Like an injured Tyler Maley. But they spent a ton of money the last two or three off seasons. They've drafted extremely aggressively, um, and it's going to work out for them. I, I think you know. I think Langford is going to to take MLB by storm. You've also got Evan Carter, a second round pick from a couple of years ago, who came up and is 21, 22 years old, and he you know he played really well in the World Series. He's going to get a full season of run uh, in left field. You know, and, and that's coupled around the all-stars, right? The guys we talked about in the World Series, the performers, Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager, Adolis Garcia, you know, they lose Mitch Garver, but what they lost to Mitch Garver, they're going to replace potentially with Wyatt Langford, who <laughs> is sitting at, you know, 22 years old and, you know, maybe a future superstar type of player. So, um, you know, pitching wise, they're waiting for DeGrom and Scherzer to get back. They've banked, they've set their bank in on older players. But they literally just won the World Series in the playoffs behind Eovaldi and Jordan Montgomery. Um, you know, they lose Montgomery, but they're kind of banking on Maley taking that role in the midseason as that midseason acquisition, which is what they got Montgomery for last year. Um, you know, and they they dealt away Cole Reagans and Takoa Roby last year, which <laughs> this is a team with a strong farm system. And it's it's really coming to fruition. It's it's just reinforcements for the for the Corey Seegers of this of this group. And I, I see this team winning ninety plus games again. Um, the only thing that would keep them from that would be the pitching. You know, we've mentioned it, but again, they just rode these these exact pitchers minus Montgomery, who may still come back to 
a you know to a World Series title. Um, I don't know if they've done enough in the bullpen. David Robertson's thirty nine. You know, it's it's a risk, but it, again, they they just went the whole entire year last year with three bullpen pitchers. This is an offense that can score runs at will. I'm very confident in their ability to at least get back to the playoffs, if not repeat. Yeah, I'm not quite as confident as David is in this team. Uh, The lineup is awesome. I mean, I honestly, the only thing that they've lost out of their lineup is Mitch Garver. And honestly, I think Wyatt Langford's going to be better. Um, I don't know if he'll be better immediately, but by the middle to end of the season, I think he's going to be better than Mitch Garver was in this lineup, which was saying something because Mitch Garver was really good. Um, you know, there's just no holes here. Like the one through one through nine, this lineup has a chance to be like extremely good. And and unlike the you know the last time we talked about, you, you do have a little bit of depth there. Ezekiel Duran's not a bad player in his own right. You know, sitting on the bench, so. Um, you know, Marcus Simeon's really good. I don't know if he's going to be quite as good as he was last year. He's 33 years old. There's some things in his metrics that aren't great. But, man, Corey Seager also dealt with an injury that kept him out for like a month last year, and he still was just absolutely out of his mind. And if he can, and I think what he did last year is even re- is repeatable because he is – I mean, he's as good as they get. So if he stays healthy all year this year, you could be looking at an MVP – uh, right there and then um you know there's just no holes here and then you know the 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 pitching's the issue for me i mean you don't have any pitching you don't have a single pitcher that you feel really confident in to go the full season healthy and performing you know Nate Valdi's dealt with injuries a lot in the past couple of years you know, last year he missed a lot of time. His stuff wasn't as good when he came back. He was good in the postseason, but he, you know, he was off for a couple months. John Gray's dealt with a lot of injuries since he's been there. Andrew Heaney's probably he's a big time injury risk. I guess Dane Dunning's been fairly, uh, you know, reliable as in he pitches, but he's just there's not a lot of upside there. And Cody Bradford's in their rotation, um, so that's something. And uh, you know, and then you're kind of banking on a 40-year-old Max Scherzer and a 36-year-old Jacob deGrom to come back. And then Tyler Molly, who's coming off of Tommy John as well, you know, the best-case scenario is that you keep yourself afloat through the first half, and then you get these reinforcements. But, you know, it's just – it's going to be hard to keep yourself afloat when you're just – every game is just going to be a grind with your pitching. And then you look at the bullpen, and it's, man, like, I do not like the Kirby Yates signing at all. David Robertson, I don't really love that signing either. I mean, he's 39 years old. He was a mixed bag last year. He wasn't great in in Miami after the trade. He was he was okay. Uh, the metrics on him aren't very good. You know, his projection is for a 4.31 ERA this year. I mean, Josh Spores could could continue to to be good. I, I like Brock Burke all right. Jose Leclerc, I think is fine. Even though, I mean, I'd prefer him as more of a setup guy than as the closer. Um, but Pitching is a mess here, honestly, for the first half DeGrom of the season. DeGrom would be end of the season. And there's a world where they get Maley's back. Mid-season. I think they can maybe get DeGrom back this year. Yeah. Um, end of the season. If there's a world – Maley's midseason. There's a world where they get those three guys back and they all are healthy. And it's like, oh my gosh. But I just – it's just hard to bank on that for me with, with their – 
you know, with, with these pitchers. And then their farm system has started to take a little bit of a step back. So if you're looking at, you know, trading for some – they traded a lot of guys. Like, they really went all, all in last year. So, you know, you've got a few top 100-type guys still out there. I mean, but no, – I disagree. Um, Justin Foskey. Not a lot of them are guys you would think are really good reinforcements yeah. for next year, so for this year. So, you know, this – Justin Foscue is one that I was going to say is probably a, a fine, you know, uh, a fine prospect to have there. But like the rest of them, most of them are just, I mean, you've only got two or three because because the your top two guys are at the big league level now. Assuming that Wyatt Langford starts in the majors this year, your top two guys are in the big leagues, and then the other guys, your third prospects in like low A, and then you've just got a bunch of like, you know, you got Foscue who's pretty good, him, but... but then, I mean. I, People actually believe in Jack Leiter still. I mean, I guess there's a world where there's a world where he figures it out, but it's just he's been bad in the minor leagues, like really bad. So um, I don't know. I looked at the projections for this season, and the Rangers, believe it or not, the defending World Series champions only have a 36% playoff odds uh, this season and a 10% division odds. So there's you know they're they're really gonna have to hit their way through it and. Um, We'll see what happens. I mean, it's it's very possible. This team has that offensive upside to just really just go on a tear. But, um, you know, they're going to have to figure a lot of things out in that pitching to, to really Man, if only he was a free make agent. me feel comfortable about him. <laughs> you definitely need somebody like a Jordan Montgomery to be in that rotation. You'd feel a lot better with somebody like, yeah, yeah if only, right? And, and if only he wanted to go to Texas. Um, just saying there, but. Yeah, the bullpen does give me some worry there. You know, they, they it's not like it was great last year either, but you you just didn't do anything really to help yourself much there. I mean, you're betting on Kirby Yates being good. You're betting on David Robertson, you know, keeping it up. Um, I mean, they had, you know, okay season, solid seasons, that, but like you just, it's hard to trust Leclerc as a closer. And if you're going to make Robertson the closer there, like, whatever way you do. I mean, who knows? Bruce Bochy is a magician at, at working the bullpen. I mean, but the names just don't, don't give you much really there. You know, the pitching, the, the starting pitching, if a guy like Montgomery would be there, it would be great. But, you know, they do have a couple younger guys that has made, has either made their major league debut or is close to an Owen White and Cole win that they could give some run to and see, Owen White wasn't great last year, but it was only in like what four innings there. So I wouldn't be opposed to them giving them, you know, either one of them some run to there and just seeing what you had. Um, I mean, both were what fringe top 100 prospects the last couple of years anyways there. So maybe, maybe you find something in in one of those guys. Um, Rockers. I don't think you're going to see much of, of Jack Leiter or, uh, or Kumar Rocker. I don't think they're going to be. I think Cole wins. Yeah, Rockers hurt. Cole Wynn, I think, is cooked. I mean, he's, you know, he's put up three. He's, he's just came off it, of his it is third worth straight the year in AAA, on and the he had a seven ERA. I mean, it just didn't work out for him at the upper minors. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but the, uh, yeah, I was yeah, going to say, isn't that, aren't they in that that one too? Where... Probably, but like he has a seven walk for nine walk rate in his second year at AAA. At, he's mm-hmm. 24. Like, I mean, Maybe you could change him to a reliever, and he—he he might. I don't know if he's got the stuff to profile there, but like it's, you know, maybe. I mean, not, I, not great. I'm just some of options they might yeah. have there. I mean, yeah, 
it's not great options, but yeah. they, they do have some that it would be interesting to see them give them a look and see what they would, would look like at least. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the main thing is going to come down to this lineup and it's going to come down to those, you know, the, the five or six people there with Semyon Seeger, Adolis Garcia, Evan Carter, Josh Jung, and, and Nate Lowe. And even Jonah Hyman has, has really proven to be a, yeah. a, a very solid, great. you know, good catcher, really great defensively, has proven himself to be, you know, just fine at the plate there too. So um, even Leody Tavares had a solid season for them too. So I, I love this offense. The pitching does give you some pause there. It, it's just... When are they going to? Are, are they going to get those starting those, you know, big three pitchers? I guess not. Maley's not a big three, but um, are they going to get those guys back? Are they going to be healthy? You know what? I mean, Maley's has really good stuff, but he's never been able to stay healthy either. It's like, are you really going to count on him when he comes back in July or August to be one of your your guys there? How much can you count on Max Scherzer, even if he is, you know, you back earlier in the season? We've seen him deal with arm burnout, arm fatigue, you know, late in the season, anyways. Um, and then DeGrom's not going to be back until later in the year, and he's already struggled to stay healthy as well. So th- there's plenty of question marks around the Rangers. Do they have the talent to to turn to be that team again and, and win this division? Absolutely. Are they the favorites? Probably not. Um, but it, there's a world where it could still happen. So uh, let's move over to the Houston Astros now, who finished with the same record, 90 and 72, did win this division, um, and they're a team that. I mean, they've pretty much bringing back everybody that mm-hmm. that they need to. I mean, not much has changed on their offense. I think their biggest loss is what Michael Brantley retiring, which was he he didn't really play Barely that played much last either. year. Yeah, he didn't really play that much either. He, you know, the question mark for them is going to come to the pitching staff. It's a big talk about in the AL West here. You have a forty-one-year-old Justin Verlander. You have Christian Javier, who was supposed to be you know, a stud last year, be his breakout year. He had a 4.36 ERA. Hunter Brown's 25. You know he's struggled the past couple of years as well. He needs to really take his next step forward. Jose Urquidy right now is projected to be you know their fifth starter here with Luis Garcia and Lance McCullers. You know coming back from surgeries as well. I think Garcia is probably going to be later in the year, um, if at all. And McCullers, I mean, who knows what what he's going to be like health wise, but. I mean, they did sign Josh Hader. You know, they made at least that move into the bullpen. But, um, you know, Matt, what are you feeling like with the uh, with the Astros? Yeah, um, I think it's an interesting team. Uh, I like um, I like their lineup a lot. I mean, you know, Jose Altuve continues to be one of the best players in baseball at second base. He missed the first couple months last year and he was, he probably had, he probably had his best season in his career last year after returning from the injury. He was probably better last year than he was his MVP season. It's just uh, missing the first couple months kind of set him back from being in a lot of the talk for awards at the end of the year. But uh, Jordan Alvarez is just out of his mind, insane at the plate. You know, you've got Bragman's really, really good. Kyle Tucker's really, really good. Um, the depth here is not quite as good as it had been at times. I mean, Jose Abreu was horrible last year, and I don't think he'll be that bad, but he's 37 years old, and he might just not be good anymore. And then you've got Yanir Diaz is a solid bat for a catcher. I don't know if he's going to be like a 120, 130 WRC plus type guy, but, you know, he's at least a league average hitter going forward, I think. And, you know, as a catcher, I think you're, you take that for sure. Uh, you know, you got Chaz McCormick is fine. He outperformed his peripherals a lot last year. 
so you might look for him to regress just a little bit. But even if he does, he'll still be pretty good. I don't believe in Jeremy Pena at the plate, but the glove is really good. And uh, Jake Myers is kind of the same way. So, you know, you got two or three guys in that lineup, maybe four that you feel like you're not totally sure about the bat. Um, you know, and then you look at their, um, you know, I think their bench is pretty good. Mauricio Dubon's played a lot. He's he's solid. Victor Caratini is a solid backup catcher, which they just haven't had two good catchers because they've been starting a bad one the last couple of years. So they really upgraded there by Martin Maldonado somehow getting a major league deal with the White Sox. <laughs> but, um, you know, their rotation, I, I don't I don't worry a ton about it, but Justin Verlander is kind of, I mean, he, he wasn't that good last year. His ERA was still good, but man, he took a step back in in the underlying numbers. He's 41. I just don't see him being great. I think he's still a fine major league pitcher. I think he's kind of a more of a mid-rotation guy at this point. Framber Valdez is still really good. I, I do think Christian Javier is better than he was last year. I don't think he's as good as he was year before last. He'll be somewhere in between. You know, and, um, you know, I think Hunter Brown could take a little bit of a step forward. This is his second full season in the big leagues. And last year he had some moments and he had some moments that weren't quite as great. So, but he's a young guy. His stuff is really good. I mean, Arquiti's about about as good as you could hope for for a five starter. He's not a great pitcher, but he's like, but he's a legit major league pitcher who's experienced and he's, you know, not without having good games occasionally. So, the rotation, I think, is fine. There's not a lot of depth here. And then the bullpen has a top three that is just out of this world. And then their depth isn't great, but the top three is incredible. Then, then of course, you've also got Rafael Montero as your fourth guy who's pretty good. But, man, Josh Hader, Ryan Presley, Brian Abreu, if you get to the seventh inning in a game that they're all available, like, like you would in maybe a postseason game, you ain't scoring on this team in the seventh or eighth or ninth inning, unless Hader has a year like he did a couple years ago in in, in um, San Diego, where he's just like randomly bad. But this team, this team is really good. I, I do think they're probably the favorite. I think the biggest question with this team is that is this the last year of the Astros kind of quote unquote dynasty? Because I mean, Verlander's going to be gone. You know, you're gonna you, you've got Bragman kind of on that on the cusp of being gone. You've got um, you know Kyle Tucker, I believe, yep. only has one more year uh, after this year. Uh, Jordan Jordan signed a long term deal, but um, like if you lose Bregman, Verlander, Kyle Tucker will be on his last year. Altuve's 34. He'll be 35 next year. Like this might be the last ride because they really don't have many reinforcements to replace these guys out of a farm system that's been really killed by you know, just winning. I mean, they've been so good. They haven't drafted high and they've traded a lot of guys. I mean, you know, even last year you look at them trading, um, you know, trading Drew Gilbert, who was looked at as a pretty good prospect for, for Verlander, who they could have just re-signed. So, you know, there's, there's kind of some, there's some definite question marks long-term for this team, but short-term for this year, I mean, I just, I don't see very many holes in this roster. There is a world where, you know, it doesn't go great with the pitching staff and maybe some of those holes in the lineup at the bottom end that can keep this team from really being able to overcome that at the same level as they have in the past. But, I mean, uh, you know, this team is – it's the Astros. They've been good for a long time. Yeah, and, and, you know, 
offseason wise, right? They let Stanek walk, uh, and then Maldonado, obviously. And in return, they simply signed Josh Hader with all that uh, empty money in the bullpen. And, <laughs> you know, you look at the team and you're like, well, I think it's a better team now, um, which is pretty remarkable that. You know, they they were essentially spurred into action by Kendall Graveman getting his shoulder injured and having shoulder surgery where he's out for the season um, into signing Josh Hader. And, you know, Hader being I guess he's going to be the highest paid reliever, I think, in baseball. But Brian Abreu is going to be really, really strong. He struck at 100 last year in 72 innings uh, as a reliever with a 175 ERA. That's really, really good. This bullpen is disgusting. They were very, very strong in the in the playoffs. It was starting pitching that gave it up in the playoffs last year for the Astros against the Rangers, and that's how I think you have to beat the Rangers again or the Astros again this year. Um, you know, Verlander. We, we've we've gone through and talked about all the the pitching woes for this team. So I'll I'll try to keep it brief, but I think they have at least one more year after this next year. You know, I think they've kind of indicated which guy they're keeping in Altuve and Bregman. Both of them were free agents after this upcoming season. Um, they're keeping Altuve. Bregman is a Boris client. He should go to free agency and hunt a huge deal. And he, I think Bregman's going to have a trouble finding a long-term deal and a long-term home because he Bregman's pull numbers are really, really good. He kind of merchants the Crawford boxes to get to power, um, where I think if you put him in a different ballpark, I don't know if Alex Bregman's quite as effective a hitter. Uh, that said, I think he's a good hitter. I think this team is good. Um, but I question whether uh, Bregman shouldn't just try to stick around. And, you know, knowing Boris, they're not going to be real interested in that. They're going to be interested in the big cash money. Um, and I think teams are smart enough to recognize that Alex Bregman may be feasting in a ballpark that fits him the best. So yeah. you know, we'll see. But. Yeah. Well, Cra- I was going to say Crane is basically like if Artie Marino is successful because he goes out and he'll, you know, if he gets upset about yep. something, he'll go spend a ton of money or make a like a step mm-hmm. in as the owner to make a move. So the Bregman thing, like I could see a scenario where Crane's like, oh, yeah, I've got money here. Yeah, and well, I mean, Altuve did sign that big long-term yeah, deal yeah. already too, so, so he will be there. Um, but to kind of deep, bunk or, or kind of throw back at you, David, with the whole Bregman and being the Crawford box merchant. Um, his career home and road splits, he actually has more yeah. homers on the road and a higher OPS and slugging on the road yeah. in his career than he does at home. Um, average and on base are right about the same, but on the road, uh, slugging's about 20 yeah. points higher uh, there yeah. and, and more homers, obviously, yeah, but and his value is tied up in being a really good on base guy too. Like, yeah, and he's he's a pretty solid defender, he's a solid defender as, as well. So I don't think Bregman will have a, a hard time finding a long term deal now if he has a bad year, and also he's going to get the qualifying offer. You know, so he'll be thirty years old with a qualifying offer heading out to the free agent market, um, and so it'll be it'll be interesting to see what the market values him as, but. Uh, I, I don't think he'll have a hard time finding a five or five or six year deal somewhere, um, especially with a contender. Now, if Crane wants to step in and just sign him before then, I mean, I I don't put that past Jim Crane. 
I mean, he will do it, especially if he, he like you have the Verlander money coming off the books anyways. You can just easily do that to to keep your offensive core around and, and figure everything else out there. But um, yeah, I mean, it is it is interesting. The Astros are in a year or two flux here, where it's like, hey, we're gonna have to make a decision on what type of team we're gonna be here soon, um, because they're they're gonna have to spend money or they're gonna have to try and figure out how to get some young players that can can be cheap for uh, for a while because our farm system doesn't have much good players in it. So um, it'll be, it'll be pretty interesting here, but uh, real quick, we've already went an hour and eight minutes so far, but real quick, let's just get your, each of your overall view of what this division will look like uh, here going into 2024. We'll go ahead and start with, uh, with Matt. Yeah. The, I think it's a good division. Um, probably, See, it's not as good as the AL East. It's definitely better than both of the Centrals. I think it's probably better than the NL West and probably better than the NL East. Um, I think the third team in this division is better than the third team in the NL East. And I don't know if they have the same team as good as the Braves in this division as they do in the NL East. But, you know, you look at the NL West and it's really just kind of the Dodgers and then everyone else. And then I think this division, though, like you've got you've got three deep of really good teams. And then the Angels aren't like terrible, terrible. They're terrible compared to what we would hope they would be, you know, with with some of the talent that they've had in the past. But and the, you know, the profile of having Mike Trout and everything, but and they get a lot of jokes because of that. But the, just if you just look at the team in general, like it's not like a, some 100 loss team or something. It's like a slightly below 500 type of team. So, and then the A's, I think, are obviously really, really, really bad. But, you know, I guess they're probably on the same tier as, as like the Nationals and White Sox and you know, some of the te- lower teams in other divisions. So it's not like there's just an entire tier below everybody like they were last year going in. So I think, um, yeah, I mean, I think this division is really good. I, I, I probably would pick the, you know, I will do our picks later, but uh, I mean, I think the Astros and the Mariners are the two front runners for me, at least the Rangers pitching injuries really hurt them for me, but they're going to be in the running too. I don't think there's, I think all three teams are, yeah, pretty evenly matched. I think and they're this all is a really good. Race, so it's gonna be a really right? fun division, division to watch this year. Seems like it'll come down to the Rangers, Mariners, and Astros um, once again, and just as it did last year. You know, there's. It, it seems like last year it was kind of a four horse race for a while until the Angels kind of petered out there after they bought at the traded line. So my expectation is that. We don't exactly know who the winner of this division is until the trade deadline and until the Rangers get their starting pitching pitchers back from injury uh, until, you know, Jerry DePoto makes some typical Jerry DePoto moves to try to improve the depth of that team. And, you know, I'm sure the Astros have uh, a move or two in their in their arsenal as well. If, if I was picking the order, I'd probably go Astros, Rangers, Mariners, but you know, the power of belief is sure strong. I think Oakland is what is like lacking it, but I think the Rangers are in abundance of it having just, you know, done it. So the question is, do the Rangers have any world series hangover? Um, We've certainly seen it before with other world champs. I tend to think this is a Rangers team. That's kind of all business. Like Marcus Simeon's missed like one game in three years. So (laughs) You know, this is a, it's a group that just kind of comes to the park every day. They know they're about to play baseball. They're 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 having fun with it. 
they're very clearly of the belief factor. So I'd probably pick the Rangers like on a like the not maybe not on a the better roster, but like they believe they 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 know now they can beat the Astros and they did not win the division last year. So I think the Rangers might be out for blood a little bit on on that front. And if they get a healthy Scherzer and a healthy Maley back in the midseason and Degrom at the end of the year, that's maybe a World Series favorite right there. Yeah, this is going to be a really interesting division to watch here, you know, in, in 2024. And like David said, um, there'll be there'll be an amount of moves at the deadline that probably swing this division one way or the other. Uh, so it's to be really interesting, depending on when the injuries get back and uh, and what these teams do look like um, at, at that point. So um, really interesting division. Uh, it came down to the wire last year. I expect it to be probably pretty close coming down to the wire again this year. So. Um, anyways, not much else to say about it. So thank you guys for, uh, for tuning in to the AL West breakdown division outlook. Uh, we will be back next week with the America uh, national league. East. Oh boy. East. Uh, yeah. So we get to talk with Matt about the breaks and then to, and then him to crap on the Mets, which that's I mean, not hard to, to fair, do for anybody to be fair. It is, it is fine. But anyways, Catch you guys all back next week for the National League East.